You're listening to Remote Possibilities, a podcast on the intersection of technology, society, and education, brought to you by MarketScale. Now here's your host, Kevin Hogan. Okay, hello, and welcome to the latest episode of Remote Possibilities, the podcast that explores the promise and the perils of distance learning. I'm your host, Kevin Hogan, and I'm glad you found us. With me today is Nick Farrell, co-founder of Bytes Media, a startup company with the goal of providing media literacy skills to students. Good morning, Nick. How are you? Good, Kevin. Thanks for having me. Actually, thanks thanks very much for coming on. You know, one of the many crazy aspects of uh, the new reality for, for so many students is not having the anchor of a social studies teacher or a history teacher sure. uh, to actually help give them context, right? At least face to face about what's going on. When I when I read about your company, in uh, it was a recent write up in Forbes. And if you'll allow me, I, I might read the description of of what uh, Bytes Media is, and you can Absolutely. tell me if you if you agree with it. Uh, the quote is: "The idea is simple. Bytes takes contemporary issues in the news." sourced from reliable and reputable outlets, then shrinks the information down into smaller, faster, more consumable chunks or bytes for younger readers. They then take that content and build comprehension lessons around it, allowing teachers to build important issue literacy uh, around these key topics. Uh, the content and the lessons are built and delivered online in easy turnkey modules for teachers or parents. Uh, how, how is that for the description? Uh, very comprehensive. Um, I think the only thing, you know, that uh, is really part of our secret sauce that wasn't included there is also um, the strength of the partnerships that we have to be able to build a comprehensive approach within this lens of media literacy and uh, civic education as well. And one of the examples of that would be a national partnership that we're launching um, this fall with the Anti-Defamation League that created a new civic curriculum for teachers to use. And I think it's obviously very timely with the upcoming election as well yeah. um, as a way to, uh, you know, really embolden and uh, re-energize civic education within uh, within the U.S. Yeah. Um, from this lens of anti-bias and anti-hate as well. So that's, that, those were, um, that's just one great example of how we're trying to plug and play with a lot of solutions out there in this civic media literacy space um, for teachers and parents. Yeah. So uh, I'll assume that uh, this all began pre-pandemic. I mean, these issues were certainly at the forefront you know, be- before all this this madness hit. Talk a little bit about the, the history and where you started. Definitely. My background actually originally is in the news. Um, I came from a family who was heavily involved. So I was kind of born and raised uh, in that industry to a certain extent. And then I, uh, one of my first jobs um, after school was uh, working at the Wall Street Journal. So I really got a, you know, an insider perspective as to um, the strengths of, of the news industry, as well as a lot of what people have been seeing recently, especially some of the drawbacks of the challenges adapting to a digital world, um, reaching younger generations, et cetera. And so I, what really fostered this idea of Bytes initially was while I was at the Wall Street Journal, I saw just a lack of engagement with young generation. Um, I'm a millennial, but even especially the younger generation is uh, Gen Z 
with the style and the way that most of these traditional media outlets are convey content. So their assumption is that readership or viewership is periodical. And everything we know about this young generation is that that is typically not the case, especially for Generation Z. They're very transient in when and where they consume information. So this idea of context and a foundational understanding of issues that's really baked in over time with most traditional publications, that's a missed opportunity with this younger generation. So I I knew that there was something there uh, initially. And then once this whole fake news phenomenon, if you will, um, happened, especially around uh, the previous election in uh, 2016, really thought that there was even more strength and immediacy to this idea. And I met Emily, who is a former public school teacher. She's worked both within K to six uh, uh, as both a homeroom teacher and a special educator. And she has her master's from the University of Maryland. And when I was discussing this idea with her, she saw there being a very near and immediate need within an educational sense, too. So not just being a new news platform, um, but rather seeing an opportunity to bring this into the classrooms, especially as these ideas of media literacy and civic literacy are being tackled and uh, and much more awa- there's much more of an awareness um, about these problems with uh, both administrators and educators. So that was, uh, we launched, we ran six different pilots in 2019. And this year uh, we launched for the first time a couple of months ago, right before the pandemic really hit, uh, a direct-to-parent-and-teacher model. Um, it's a subscription model, and it offers parents and teachers not only access to all of the content that we produce, but also a back-end uh, portal that we have. It's a classroom management portal that includes comprehension tests. It includes um, uh, analytics in terms of engagement for students that are just very easy to understand. Um, and we see it as being a really powerful tool that uh, parents and teachers can use, not just from the perspective of cutting through the noise that's out there in the media world, but also potentially giving insights and being a supplement to other curriculum that they might be using in terms of where students are engaging with different multimedia assets and how that might be affecting their comprehension. Got it. Do you have uh, particular age groups that you focus on? For now, we really see uh, our main focus has been middle and high school students. Um, And the biggest driver behind that is, especially high school students, um, they're about to become of age to to vote in our country at 18. Um, There's historically low voter turnout for that uh, age demographic. But even as young as middle school, Students are starting to be exposed more and more to these ideas of um, these social issues, these civic issues that they're hearing on the news, seeing people um, engage with it, hearing their parents talk about it. So we we felt that there was also an opportunity there to really be able to indoctrinate kids to this is what you should expect out of the news. And here are the best tools to build a strong foundation of understanding that provides that context for you then to be able to engage further with traditional resources, with your peers, with adults, um, and really empower them through that accessibility of information. 
So how has your strategy changed as a result of the pandemic? I mean, you have what you said, you had tools for the classroom, for the teachers who you have certain uh, pieces of curriculum and assessment and things like that. Now everyone is is remote and it's distributed. The issues that the kids are consuming, at least my three Gen Zers here, <laughs> have turned to consuming a heck of a lot more content from their screens uh, than before the pandemic. I mean, we we forced it on them, right? I mean, yeah. It, it used to be put your phone down, and now it's like <laughs> go go use your phone as long as you want. Just you know. Try to occupy your occupy your time somehow, but so they're getting yeah. that content through their phone, and most likely through social media channels, right? I mean, it's the yep. it's the memes of Instagram and, and TikTok, uh, and those are that's for better or or worse, right? Yep, absolutely. Um, so we, in terms of how we've tackled this, obviously there's a baked a bit of a baked in advantage in that we were always built out as a digital company. So the transition to remote learning has actually benefited us in some regards because we were more or less set up to really thrive in that environment. Um, and what we've really seen, especially in regards to the current social climate, just the anxiety around the coronavirus, also uh, these social movements that are going on, at present with Black Lives Matter, we're seeing that having the TV, and maybe you've experienced this with your kids, having the TV on in the background with the news on all day is just creates a tremendous amount of anxiety. And what we keep hearing consistently back from parents is they've really enjoyed using our, our site, even independent of any specific curriculum, as a way to effectively assign an article in the morning, um, have their kid or kids read that article, and then actually use it as a tool to discuss it at dinner, because most mm. likely everyone's going to be together under these circumstances. And uh, they've seen that as a really powerful way to have a dialogue with their kids around most of these really poignant issues that are going on in our society at present. Um, and also, the beauty of our approach to content, really focusing on that foundational component of what might be a more topical issue, is it allows for a, a deeper conversation. And, you know, we would argue more critical thinking around these issues because they're drawing from a place of potentially better understanding. And uh, we've seen that being used very successfully with, with uh, parents. And then even teachers are really desperate for resources right now that are quality and we've had a lot of traction there too as they're trying to fill holes in terms of their teaching needs just in adapting to a remote environment and being able to easily assign articles easily track students progress all within one place and part of our roadmap that we've now accelerated as a result of uh, the pandemic is creating integrations with more and more learning management systems that teachers are using so that it is even more seamless for them than having to sign into us directly and use us as an independent platform to that. How do you keep up with it all? <laughs> I mean, it's every day there's something else that needs to be uh, dissected and um, put into context, right? I mean, what, how, how's that set up? Again, the beauty with this idea of foundational knowledge and something that we've seen a lot within our editorial calendar and our, uh, the writers that we use can uh, 
I'm, I'm sure speak to this in even more depth. But what's really interesting is most issues that are topical and all of these breaking news stories are all rooted in pretty re- regularly recycled foundational ideas. And so there is a, um, a flexibility and, and almost an alleviation on that downward pressure to constantly produce content just by taking the philosophy of there and what, where we see an opportunity is there's this disconnect of a foundation of understanding oftentimes in these very complex and, and at times even convoluted issues. Let's focus on making that information as accessible as possible, not necessarily just needing to break down every single breaking news story as it happens in this bite-sized format, but rather saying, what's the, what's the core issue at, at play here? And how can we tie that back into either content we've already created or develop new content as obviously we're uh, a younger company and still have, uh, definitely have holes within our content catalog, but how can we develop new content that still is focusing on more of that evergreen foundational uh, component to what might be a, a topical uh, breaking news story or something that might go through a quicker news cycle, but still be very relevant for what people need to know. Right, right. Uh, talk a little bit about the parent aspect of this. Is that something that, that changed as a result of the pandemic or were parents always at the forefront of your strategy? Parents were definitely at the forefront of our strategy prior to the pandemic, but I think how much we focused on them in terms of marketing, in terms of outreach has definitely shifted as a result of the pandemic, just because most parents are effectively now being asked to homeschool their kids to a certain extent. Yeah. Um, And so the pandemic really just created just, I guess would you would say just shifted um, how quickly we approached the uh, importance of engaging parents in this process, creating understanding around what we're doing, and also creating hopefully education about even independent of ourselves ways that parents can um, really empower their kids with information, especially as it relates to our society, our our government, and their civic responsibilities. Yeah, how do we pay for this uh, subscription based uh, the, and then the other question was in regards is, is there a district subscription model versus say a consumer you know if a parent can sign up for it so we have uh, it's for parents and teachers it's a subscription based model uh, we're offering three months free right now as a result of the pandemic um, up front and then there are two options. It's either $4 a month or $40 for the year if you pay up front. Um, and again, that gives you access to those comprehension tests. You can sign up unlimited students. And what we're also providing this fall uh, within that teacher portal is more plugins in terms of those curricular components that we've been working with, whether it be ADL or other partners that we have to create much more of a holistic situation, a one-stop shop where parents and teachers can come, especially with the backdrop of the election and use ourselves and our partners as a resource to help really demystify and also hopefully (laughs) de-stress students uh, in terms of what they might be hearing and facing um, in the lead up to November. The social emotional uh, aspects of learning right now have never been more important, have they? 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, and while it was not necessarily our initial intention to tap into that bucket of, of social and emotional learning, it is definitely the feedback that we've been getting is that that has been a really critical component of a lot of what we're producing as well, which has been a um, kind of a, a happy accident, if you will. Right. Now, so you say you currently have 1,500 uh, different schools using it? So we have uh, 1,500 different um, parents and teachers signed up at present. Got we it. do. And to answer your second question, there is district subscription offerings. So if a parent or teacher really loves what we're doing and they want to bring it to their school, on our site, there's a way to have school administrators reach out to us to discuss those options. But um, we do have about uh, 15 different schools that have been using us, both with the pilot program um, and at present. You know, again, it's not our main approach in terms of a distribution strategy, but we do offer that uh, as a way for schools to provide this for students uh, and teachers across the board. Have you discovered any instances where your services are affecting the parents as much as the uh, the student? Uh, absolutely. I mean, uh, I, myself included, really through this work, have learned uh, a tremendous amount about our government, our civic responsibilities, the depth and nuance of, uh, of social issues that we face in our country. So to your point, um, we've had everyone from people in their, you know, 30s and 40s to uh, I've had uh, people reach out that have been even much older than that, that will reach out and say, oh, hey, I, I had no idea this is how this worked, or I didn't yeah. realize kind of the responsibility here. Thank you so much. And that for us, that's that's really empowering. And our ultimate goal, especially with this young generation, is to grow into become the number one source of news and information for this generation, Z, this younger generation. Um, and obviously, any generation, there's a big bandwidth in terms of uh, age, but it is encouraging to see that uh, older adults are also learning something new, because I think that's one of the most important things about our democracy. It, it relies on informed citizens, and anyone has the ability to learn more. I don't. I think there are very few people in our country that really have a tremendous, you know, knowledge, unless you're in politics specifically about how our government works, what our civic duties are, and to be able to break that down into something really easy and accessible um, for people to understand is one of our big goals and what we're uh, the outcome that we're seeking, regardless of age. Yeah, one thing I've I've pointed out over the years is that while we may be all different in physical age, we're all about the same in terms of our emotional behavior when it comes to the use of an iPhone and apps and social media. Yeah, Chad. So we none of us really kind of know what we're doing, and now we're kind of in our in our teenage years, and you can see those behaviors reflected in in some of the uh, in some of the garbage that is that is out there. Uh, I'm also reminded of uh, Snopes. Uh, Snopes.com is I remember being with that first site where you could kind of go to to hopefully rely on, you know, is this real or is this, you know, is this fake, you know? And sure. it seems that Bytes Media is kind of in that same category with some educational uh, chops behind it and not just a couple guys in a basement that are fact-checking news articles. Definitely. 
And, and, you know, we, there are a, a host of other great resources out there. NewsGuard being one of them. That's uh, a, a web browser plugin. I believe they also have a, an app on uh, for the iPhone and Android as well that do something similar on an organizational standpoint. So if you go to a site, they'll, they will flag it and say, you know, oh, this is, this site is uh, notoriously untrustworthy or, um, you know, they, they produce great content and, and you can kind of trust the authenticity of what might be on the site. And those are incredibly important efforts. Um, and we love a lot of the work that they're doing for us. We having just seeing the need as being really, I think with, in terms of, from a media literacy perspective, not always just say questioning a source and saying like, is this trustworthy? Is this not? But rather again, that focus on foundational knowledge, if you have a better, a stronger base to pull from, that critical thinking process around any new information you're taking in and pairing that to your understanding of an issue becomes more and more powerful over time. And so we wanted to be able to create a solution that was engaging, but didn't always necessarily just rely on, oh, do I have my app available right now? Or, you know, let me just Google it. Uh, We wanted to create a situation where people felt more confident and empowered to engage in a more natural way as to like, oh, I'm hearing this new information or I'm engaged in dialogue or discourse with someone and I can actively on the spot really critically think about an issue um, or pull information that I know to be uh, trustworthy. So we just wanted to take a lot of the good work that other organizations were doing, quality information, and create that learn of easier and more accessible learning process for that. Right. Final question. Talk a little bit about the horizon. Uh, it's a, probably the toughest question of all, especially these days. But uh, yeah. you know, where, where do you see Bytes Media in, in, in three years? It's a great question. So our goal in the next three years is to be in over 75% of schools within our country. And uh, what we're flushing out as well is how much of a percentage of that is is schools and teachers versus parents. I think the point you made earlier, uh, most of what we know to be a traditional system has been upended. So adapting and adjusting our timeline and our goals to acknowledge and incorporate the fact that how school will um, exist even when we do return uh, could be very different than what we had traditionally expected. But that's our main goal. That's our North Star. And I'm not just even from a company perspective, but I think from a societal perspective, I am very hopeful of our future. And I'm hopeful because of this young Generation Z in terms of the fact that there's, I think, much more so than previous generations, there's an eagerness and a desire to engage in most of these civic and social issues that are really prevalent and pressing in our in our country right now. Yeah. And just the fact that they are the most diverse generation in the history of our country. They're the largest generation in the history of our country. There's such an opportunity for them to really make meaningful change. Uh, and I don't want to say it's, it's all on them. It's definitely on other generations, on both youth and um, adults within our country. But I'm really hopeful that given the right tools and, and given accessibility to great and quality information and education, they have the ability to make really meaningful and lasting change and tackle some of these issues, both with 
um, racism in our country, with environmental issues in our country, and how our, historically we've dealt with them, I think they have the ability to really make much more meaningful change uh, as a result of their willingness and, and size and, and diversity. Well, there's nothing better than ending on a positive note, uh, which, which you yeah. have uh, you have struck, and I appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, thank you very much for your time. I think it was uh, very insightful, and I uh, hope to talk to you again soon. Absolutely. Thank you for having me, Kevin. I really appreciate it, and uh, take care and stay safe. Great. And thanks, everybody, for listening to Remote Possibilities. I'm Kevin Hogan, and we'll see you next time. Bye.